When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, Ag Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Axon Tire would like to give all the loyal listeners of the Moving Iron Podcast a couple great gifts. Get that ball cap and get that flashlight. If you want one of those, send an email to marketing at axontire.com and they will send you an Alliance flashlight and an Alliance branded ball cap. So if you want one of those, check it out. If you want $50 off of your registration to the Moving Iron Summit, send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com or go right up to the uh, Moving Iron LLC website up there on the other uh, right-hand corner up there. Click on Moving Iron Summit and register there, and the folks at Axon will give you $50 off of your registration fee. Ballot Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs at Ballot Transportation. Our goal is to help you reach yours. Powered by Farm Credit, AgDirect is built for today's agriculture with simple application, quick response, competitive rates, and generous, flexible terms. AgDirect offers buy, lease, and refinance options for almost all types of new and used equipment, non-recourse, and timely funding back to the dealership plus sales incentives. No other ag equipment lender works like AgDirect. Learn more by calling your AgDirect territory manager at 888 
525-9805 or visit us at agdirect.com. Tractor Zoom has accessed over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. Tractor Zoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and optimal pricing insights. And finally, this podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work today. Sean Hackett is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida, and he's nice, tough, nice enough. I'm sure you're tough too to talk about what's going on in the marketplace. So, Sean, how you doing, man? And, and if your callers call in today, we'll also offer hand Look sanitizer. Hand sanitizer. It's that time of the year, baby. And then might, you might laugh. At we need a black light, and then if you shine that on your hands and over, you need to put that uh, purification. <laughs> then it all go. It all I'm be doing great, Casey. All come together. <laughs> All right, Sean, you got your world wind here. You're still on. Where are you, where are you at this week? <clears throat> Deadwood, South Dakota, you know, right on the western border there. And uh, we'll see what, what's going on in that part of agriculture of this country. But it, I've not been that, that way. So uh, this will be a, a cool trip and um, looking forward to it very much. Right on. You can go snow skiing while you're up there. There's a, there's a mountain up there you can ski on. Or shred. I can watch. I can watch snow skiing. Yes, I can. <laughs> yeah, it'll be. Uh, it'll be. Good. They've gotten quite a bit of snow up there, and and uh, this whole area. They have. They're going to be. Yep. They, nice winter wonderland for you there, Sean. It's going to be a winter wonderland. I'm. I'm so excited. So excited. It'll be just like Florida, but completely different. So you're going to love it. Yeah, very, very similarly different. Yes. <laughs> right on. All right, Sean, you put out a report here uh, yesterday, I believe, and talking about some natural climate change, mod- change models that you've seen come up. And um, El Nino, talked about that a little bit in there. So let's talk, start there and talk about El Nino. What are you seeing there? And is that transition happening like you think it's going to, Sean? Well, you know, we've continued to suggest that Tonga has delayed El Nino's arrival. We got the readings at the end of the year that suggested that. And now we have gotten to what we call a clearly defined La Nina Modokai, uh, which is where you have warming on both sides of the central sea surface temperature of the Pacific, the west and east, and the center is still cold. So if you think of the Walker cycle, cold air sinking, mm-hmm. and then it goes this way, which means the moisture gets pumped on both sides. Right. That is what's created the exceedingly wet Brazil and the extra moisture this winter in the United States. It's been a big a contributor to why we're seeing a different weather pattern uh, than we've seen with a traditional La Nina, whereas cold air is all the way, and then it just goes to the west. Um, and so that's uh, clearly in place now. Uh, when we look at the current sea surface temperatures, not only of the Central Pacific, but of the entire globe, and we mesh it with where we were on the same date on February 6, 2012, which we did in yesterday's podcast, it's almost a carbon copy, uh, meaning that we almost have the exact same sea surface temperature regime today as we did in February 6, 2012, that preceded that one in 50 year oh. drought year. Um, yeah, I do remember that. Also, I do remember that, that winter being very wet and it turned off wicked dry. So, yeah. Right. right so, what happens now, remember now, as La Nina fades, and it's, you know, our, our, we're definitely, absolutely, 100, 100% expecting La Nina to end. Uh, our big difference is uh, when is El Nino going to arrive? As you know, everyone's expecting El Nino to arrive in spring, summer. We think it's late in the year, in 24. 
So if you look what happened in 20 in 2012, everyone that year projected spring, summer El Nino. But instead, we got neutral, more of a neutral warm condition, meaning it was a little warmer in the Central Pacific, but it was not a it was not El Nino hot. And so what you had was you had still very hot sea surface temperatures to the uh, east and the west, but you had kind of more more neutral readings in the center, and that pretty much breaks down the Walker cycle. I mean, you don't really have a big amplified Walker cycle. What that means is the upper airflow pattern is very stagnant. Um, and when you have a very stagnant weather pattern, whatever typically establishes during the summer growing season, there's not much to take it off kilter. So if you develop a dome pattern, for example, in the Midwest, you're not, it, it's hard, it does not, the, the Walker cycle is not going to allow it to get you know, pushed off kilter very much. And that's what exactly what happened in 2012. We had this very neutral, we call it a La Nada Monokai, where you had neutral in the center, but still warm on, on each side. It's a very inert upper airflow pattern. Now, of course, we didn't have Gleisberg on the docket in 2012. This year, we have the completion of an entire 89-year solar cycle that's kicking in. Uh, on top of Tonga, water vapor in this uh Stratford, we also showed charts about how this water vapor is starting to spread around the entire stratosphere, is now entering the northern hemisphere, and that creates hot weather extremes like we're seeing in Argentina, 110, 115. So, so we would expect to see, when conditions are right, some extremely hot temperatures, not only in the U.S., but elsewhere. So, so the setup, Casey, the setup is there for drought to re-emerge in the latter part of the spring into the summer. And so we're going, and then the one thing we really highlighted, it's a very, very key feature for drought. Um, one of the key features for drought is to have this cold sea surface temperature ring off the coast of California. Uh, uh, it, it allows the, the air to sink and go towards the, where the warm water is further West in the Pacific ocean. And that also helps deprive the U S of moisture and keeps the dome in place. We have it right now, just like we did in 2012. Our expectation is that, that ring will stay maintained in that way. So these are the things we're looking for. Right now, everything looks scaringly, strikingly similar uh, to what we saw in 2012. And incidentally, by the way, uh, 1934 was also a uh, La Nina Modakai that became a La Nada Modakai. So you know, we also talked about Mount Washington um, breaking all-time record cold temperatures here in the last few days. The last time, the the the, the, the last the record low occurred in nineteen the winter of nineteen thirty four, just before the Gleisberg cycle drought. So you know, these are the kind of things we look for, Casey. You know, are we seeing things that are lining up to what has been good benchmark indicators for past significant drought events and then we also looked at South America. What did the 2012 growing season look like in South America? Argentina in drought, Brazil, all kinds of rain. We looked at 1933-34 growing cycle in South America. Argentina drought, Brazil, all kinds of rain. Exactly right. the pattern we're seeing. So does this guarantee the outcome? Of course not. We, there's no way you can guarantee any outcome. But all I'm saying is we're really seeing alignment of different weather patterns saying that the upper airflow pattern is acting in a manner that it did um, in the past that would increase 
and elevate the risks or the probabilities that this Gleisberg cycle 89 year drought, which is nine is which is 2023 from 1934, you know, is is you know, it looks like you know, we have an elevated risk of it happening. So that's where we are. This is what we talked about yesterday. And I think it really kind of buttons up what our, our expectation. Remember, though, we are looking for an early spring. We are looking for a good start. We are looking for, you know, because of this moisture we've gotten because of the Lightning and Mordecai, you know, we, we should get off to a good start. Our hope is that might provide some uh, softening of prices that livestock producers can utilize to buy some cash feed. So far, you know, we've not had much of a setback because of the adverse weather in South America. Yeah. Okay. So I was listening to a, a talk show the other day and I had a guest on, they were talking about the Tonga eruption in the uh, like 50,000 Olympic sized swimming pools worth of moisture or whatever it has got pumped into the, into the atmosphere. Um, and his, his point was that <clears throat> a lot like what you've been, he's the only person I've listened to that said exact similar to what you've been talking about. Everybody else is not even heard anyone even talk about this other than that, but his point was with that much um, going into an El Nino, like we should be going into from a La Nina and going into that time frame that when this, this amount of um, water vapor that got pumped in the air, that we will have a hotter than normal um, summer just because of the amount of moisture that's there and, and the greenhouse effect that that has when you pump that much stuff in there is you're seeing something similar to that. So would this, are, are you saying that, that the Tonga eruption is, is causing what you're talking about, or is this just a natural part of that cycle and this is just going to amplify it more? There's a difference between global temperatures mm-hmm. and U.S. temperatures. The U.S. growing season is hot when we have La Nina. The U.S. temperature is cooler when we have El Nino. Now, it's exactly opposite for the world. The world is hot when we have El Nino, and, and um, it's cooler when we have La Nina. The U.S. is kind of opposite that, okay? So if we're speaking about global temperatures, when El Nino arrives later this year in 24, we would expect to see potentially record-breaking uh, temperatures on a global scale because of the water vapor's heating effect right. that's causing these extremes. Now, <clears throat> in the U.S., probably not because El Nino actually calls temp typically causes a cool wet summer. So the, to the summer of 24, um, it may not be as cool as it normally is, but it shouldn't be super hot. The super hot summer would be this winter, uh, this growing cycle because U S gets super hot with La Nina. That's the way the upper airflow pattern works. So that's why we're worried about this particular growing season for the United States specifically, because the tendency is for hot for normally, part of the cycle to have hot temperatures and that if you have tonga adding an an additional accelerator to that that's when you could break record record temperatures you know potentially breaking all-time record temperatures maybe stringing a bunch of you know 100 degree days in a row non-stop Mm. that sort of thing that's what the tonga rupture would do uh for the u.s this growing cycle it would do that for other parts of the world in uh 2024 but uh so so it's a little it's, it's a little different for the u.s versus the rest of the world yeah. So then you throw the Gleisberg cycle on top of that and you have just. Well, Gleisberg is normally hot and dry, obviously. So it would take what would be a normal Gleisberg cycle and it would add an extra heating kicker that wouldn't normally have been there. I mean, that we wouldn't know. So whatever the, whatever the Gleisberg was going to do, 
originally. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna turn up the volume on the heat because of just it just we just happen to have had this you know Tonga eruption occur um, that no one could have you know you can't predict those things other than you could we can predict we're gonna be getting more of those large volcanic eruptions timing exactly when they occur and of course we've never had a water vapor one before mm-hmm. but we have to now factor it into our climate model which we do so that we can make correct forecasts and give good price forecasting advice to our customers. Yeah, and this is that was I was thinking about that last night, you know, when we were looking through this stuff and, and kind of getting prepared for today and the amount of like all the the things coming together here to make this this perfect kind of storm. All the all the ingredients that are there are you can't make this stuff up. You, yeah. you really can't make this stuff no. up. It's it's uh so so if you just think this through and I and I hate to think this through, but if I, you have to think this through, it's my job to think it through. You say, okay, wait a minute. So let's say that all these signposts, and we, and we and we start to develop this crazy dome, hot iceberg drought pattern, and just as China is totally getting ready to just rock and roll post COVID chaos, and they reopen, and I don't know, Casey, just um, it, it's just um, it'd be a heck of a situation. Say, I mean, it's just you're talking about the prices of everything, just being it. Well, they're going to come in. They're going to want beef. They're going to want pork. They're going to want corn. They're going to want soybeans. They're going to want everything. <laughs> the U.S. comes up short. You know, wow. You know, it's just uh, at a time where there's no ending stocks or not much. Right. Yeah. It's just going to amplify just, it, the situation. It, it, yeah. It's just a tough situation. It's just yep. a tough situation. So, it's going to be a tough uh, You know, so we'll see. <clears throat> but, um, Right now, you know, we don't see anything to back away from our forecast that we made at the very beginning of the, our year-ahead forecast. Everything so far, and what we were trying to communicate yesterday was, you know, we're, we're still don't see anything to back away from, you know, what we what we've been saying and what we continue to say in our conferences and where we speak. We continue to talk about all of these different variables and cycles and make sure that the producers and the end users are aware of this risk, so they can act accordingly to mitigate it should it occur. Right. So. Okay. All right. So we had a uh, pretty massive uh, earthquake over on the uh, Turkish-Syrian border. I think it was 7.8, had a couple 7.5 aftershocks. And there was one, I think, overnight that was a 5.9 or something like that. So pretty massive uh, amount of of, uh, power being released there. And uh, you see a lot of stuff moving there. Sean, do you predict that having any kind of big issue uh, in that region as far as uh, disruption of, of, of logistics for that part of the world? Well, remember, large volcanic eruptions go along with large earthquakes. Right, it's one of the it's the tectonic destabilization yeah. of the galactic cosmic rays that we've talked about to say you know destabilize the magnetic field strength of the Earth. So we're going to see. So, by you know, I hate to say this, but oftentimes big volcanic eruptions precede large volcanic eruptions. Mm-hmm. We need to be on high alert for the next six months that we could get some volcanic uh, activity of a large variety because an earthquake is a symptom of destabilization that you that almost always precedes volcanic eruption so the tectonic situation is active um as it always has been but in terms of turkey I mean, obviously it's a mess right i mean it's right. it's infrastructure it's chaos and um you know is it going to impact agriculture per se i mean they're not really a uh you know center for breadbasket for the world for growing stuff you know obviously for the people there it's a humanitarian uh crisis and we you know, hopefully the world could will do everything that it can to try to 
provide aid to those people, that sort of thing. But in terms of prices in the marketplace, Casey, I don't really see this having much of an impact to the price of commodities and agriculture as, as we see it. So, yeah. Okay. Um, one article that I kind of read real briefly here, but China and Brazil have agreed on clearing uh, the yawn in um, in Brazil. So basically, they're going to be trading soybeans for yawn and back and forth with uh, Real. So that's no more trading in dollars. They're going to be doing these two things and making this work. As you look at that, Sean, what's your thoughts there and how does that affect? I mean, that's kind of a big deal when you start looking at how that affects the strength of the dollar. <clears throat> well, remember, you know, we're very, very bearish the U.S. dollar back half of 23 into 2026. The eight-year cycle, which we talk about at conferences, which is the dollar tends to go up for eight years and down for eight years. We're in the down eight-year cycle that bottoms out in 2026. We also talked about the better cycle in our meetings where we talk about this uh, farmer, uh, Mr. Benner, who put together this uh, cycle of years. And there's a dollar devaluation cycle that has picked every major U.S. dollar devaluation cycle for the last 150 years. The next year up for a major dollar devaluation is 2023 um, on top of the eight-year cycle. So uh, I have no idea, Casey, why it works. I just know it's been working for almost 200 years. So it wouldn't surprise me that some of the things you just mentioned about clearing trades in other currencies you know, maybe a be the beginning of a major shift away from U.S. dollar dominant trade settlements to something more broad. And uh, that transition probably could end up being a little chaotic mm -hmm. and cause some kind of a major U.S. dollar devaluation. So, for example, you know, the 1970s, when we took dollar off the gold standard, we had a massive devaluation of the dollar. 2005, the Chinese ended the peg. With the U.S. dollar and the Chinese currency took off. 1930s, U.S. dollar, the, the government of the U.S. devalued gold, the dollar against gold by 35. percent You know, so something big is going to. It looks like it's on the docket to happen here in 23. And I think some of the things we're starting to hear is chipping away at the um, foundation of the U.S. dollar reserve currency status. And it wouldn't surprise me if we saw something, an event. Or, or some kind of a, a reaction. Because remember, currencies are all about confidence, Casey. It's all about confidence. You know, what is a currency worth? Well, it's, it, it's worth how confident you are about the country that's issuing it, right? It's right. it's not an asset like gold or like copper or corn. It's this ethereal thing. So if you if, if the world starts losing confidence in the dollar, all of a sudden, you know, you you get a, a significant devaluation event. We also talked about the Plaza Accord in 1985, where the dollar reached its all-time high, and eight, five of the central banks of the world got together and tried to and decide to manipulate the dollar back down because the global economy was crashing because the dollar was too strong. It's called the Plaza Accord, and the dollar then crashed from 1985. That was another better cycle year, 1985. I can't make this stuff up, but 2023 is expected to be a big, big year for U.S. dollar devaluation news. And so I think you're onto something with that. I think you're onto something with that. So what you're saying is 23 is going to be a great year. Things are really shaping up well for us here. If you're in agriculture, this is good for prices. Yeah, it's great for prices. A, a weaker dollar is fantastic. Yeah. It, it Maybe it's terrible for humanity, okay? <clears throat> yeah. but, if, but if we're talking about the farmer who's looking at a, at a bin full of corn, a weaker dollar is your friend.
So, so from a, from that uh, one dimensional look at it, it's very very positive for those in agriculture. Yep. It, it, <laughs> so, there you have it. Right on. All right. Well, hey, good stuff as usual, Sean. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you have going on over at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. You can also check us out on our Twitter page, our LinkedIn page. There's all kinds of different places to find us to see. You know, sometimes we, we post some interviews and things that talk about some of these cycles and uh, to see what we do and how we look at things might be of value to your listeners. Right on, man. Well, Sean, appreciate you being the podcast, man. Thanks, Casey. It's always a blast. Safe travels, buddy. Will do. All right. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and go over, check out the video version of this on the uh, YouTube channel. That's Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Go to Moving Iron LLC for everything Moving Iron related and check out all the stuff up there coming up for the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee. If you want to sign up for that, Go ahead and get signed up, and uh, we will give you $50 discount from the folks over at Axon. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour, Sean Hackett. We're smart folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardware.